Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Today's Thursday, September 24th, and this is, of course, your daily financial news. If this is your first time on the channel, welcome. We do these daily financial news seven days a week, uh, every day of the month, every day of the year, because that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, reading about what's going on in the markets, uh, because I'm interested in what's going on with the consumer and cost of capital. I'm a real estate investor who's built a portfolio of one rental at a time. And I've now taken my morning routine and turned it into a YouTube show done live, no editing, no walk-up music every day. So if you like this, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up. According to Graham Stephan, early thumbs up, make a video seen by more. Uh, and of course, if you like your daily financial news in little bite-sized chunks, go ahead and hit subscribe. You'll usually get it live right around 7.30 Pacific. So what do we start with today? We got to start with new home sales. We got pending home sales yesterday, blowout numbers. New home sales annualized a million units, a million and 11,000. And that is a that's a peak that hasn't been seen since 2006. I believe we've now been over a million units uh, three times. Once in, what did I write down? Once in September of 06, once in November of 06, and now uh, September of 2020. That's a, that's a lot of new homes. A lot of data kind of inside that number. First and foremost, month supply down. Uh, last month it was reported, and again, we got an upward revision of July. We got it up to 986,000, so just a whisper below a million. It was at four months supply in July, now 3.3 months. So again, buyers are out, buyers are out in force, kind of ties in with our mortgage applications that we've been talking about, right? Uh, it makes sense. Um, but we have to realize also that some builders are actually slowing down today. Lennar told us, when did Lennar report? Was that this week or last week? It all blends together. But they told us they were actually slowing down production because they didn't want to get caught with the sudden rise in lumber prices. Uh, they saw the lumber prices being a short-term blip. Uh, so they're actually slowing down. That tells you how much uh, lumber has gone up. Again, I think it was $16,000 a house. Just the sticks, just the 2x4s and 4x4s and all of those things that go into a house. So uh, part of the supply drop is less building, uh, but I believe most of it is obviously just demand. And housing is on fire. Existing sales, new home sales, big numbers. Uh, inside the number, it was interesting to see that prices dropped. That was... Um, unexpected, at least by me, uh, but really goes to show you where the buyers are, right? Because when you talk about median or average, that's a blend of everything going on. Uh, and clearly what we are seeing now in new home sales is really the entry-level buyer. First-time buyer is, uh, is out in force. Uh, again, I believe uh, we are seeing a transition from Class A renters to first-time owners. Uh, we are seeing the urban flight every day now. There are headlines. People are catching up. The K-shaped recovery is catching on. 
that we've been talking about for a long time. Uh, so again, if you have financial means, you have the ability to work from home, uh, you're actually saving more. And, uh, you know, there's a good chance you want to get out of that $4,000 shoebox into your own home with a backyard, garage, all of those things. So kind of to be expected. Uh, again, um, yeah, new home sales, existing home sales, kind of what we expected. Uh, again, new existing home sales, I think was yesterday, the day before, up almost 12% in value. Again, I, I challenge those folks that are calling for, um, you know, uh, a crash next year. Uh, what do we got? Uh, unemployment claims it's Thursday morning. I don't know what to say. I mean, this is so disgusting. We're we're getting so used to being at huge numbers. We were uh, we're at eight hundred and seventy thousand today. Uh, today's reporting slightly above the expectation of eight hundred and fifty thousand. I just want to remind you that the peak of the last crisis, I believe, was 606. So I don't know, what are we, six months into this thing and we're still above the last peak? This is not okay, folks. Uh, in fact, um, you know, if, uh, if no additional stimulus is coming, uh, I believe we could be, this could be a, a, a sign of a potential uptick uh, as we head into the end of the year. Restaurants are probably going to close down again because it's getting cold in lots of the country. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't have a warm and fuzzy feeling. We may be bouncing off the bottom. It'll be interesting to talk with Jonathan Twomley, which we do every Thursday in about a half hour. Uh, so we'll see what he has to say. Uh, one of the things I am watching is the stock market. Not because I have any stocks, but we have seen, historically speaking, if the stock market throws a fit, uh, it can force behavior. Now, this is, I have seen this most often with the uh, stock market forcing the Fed to do something, right? Stock market crashes, stock market expects a rate cut, whatever, kind of has forced the hand of um, the Fed before. I'm wondering, just wondering, if the stock market takes another 10, 15, 20% haircut, say, by the middle of maybe the first week of October, is that going to be enough of a drop to get Congress to do something? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think the closer we get to November, the chances of a bill get smaller. Um, I still think it's unbelievably uh, disappointing that they're not helping the folks that need help. Again, just look at the unemployment claims still. Still over 800,000. It's a weekly number. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's now been a realization by more and more uh, analysts that the stimulus bill that we all thought was a no-brainer is not going to happen. Uh, so some people are coming out and actually cutting Q4 GDP. Q3, again, we're about a week away from being done. Uh, most people are expecting it, or actually everybody's expecting it to be the largest GDP growth ever. Some are calling for 30%. Most are calling below, above 25%. Uh, but now they're cutting Q4. Uh, no stimulus. They're saying the old expectation was plus 6, 6%. They've cut it in half. Uh, and re if we have no additional stimulus, it's possible we start the real talk of a double dip recession. 
right? It's not it's not hard to imagine, you know, a, a plus three becoming a minus one pretty quickly. And again, that would mean Q4 is the first quarter and you need two in a row uh, to be back in a recession. So I think we have to start talking about a double dip recession without stimulus. I think it's so sad. I think we're so close to getting through this. But, you know, consumer behavior, consumer psyche is real. And if you, uh, if you scare people and people are nervous, they will retreat, they will save, they will not spend. And uh, we saw that in Q2 with record savings rates uh, and, and a collapse in the GDP of over 31%, if memory serves. Uh, so much so that Stephen Roach, who I was actually a, uh, who's on this channel six weeks ago, I did an interview, co-interviewed him. It was interesting to hear, but he's out now all over the news, Bloomberg and CNBC and Wall Street Journal, calling a double dip recession greater than 50% odds. I'm not sure it's that high, but it's at least something we have to talk about. And, uh, you know, it's I would not have thought a double dip recession was on the table six weeks ago. Uh, but again, Congress disappoints and uh, we really do need to think about it. Uh, something else I saw is uh, just to show you how much pain is in New York City. Uh, 83% of restaurants can't pay rent and it's about to get cold there. So, ouch. Uh, you know, those are the mom and pop, uh, you know, restaurants, pizza, pizza joints. Uh, which is really interesting because if you compare them to Darden's, uh, they just reported earnings yesterday. Darden is the parent of Olive Garden. Uh, and their same store sales are down 39%, quarterly revenue down 28%. Uh, but they are feeling so positive that they reinstated their dividend. Yes, they reinstated their dividend. They're paying 30 cents a share. This is just an example of the K-shaped economy in living color. If you can raise debt in the market like Darden, you're going to get through this. If you are a, a single restaurant in New York City, you are screwed. This is, this is the K-shaped recovery on display. Uh, a couple other things we have for today. We got Accenture, a big consulting company, missing their earnings top and bottom line. Uh, their, their consulting revenue was down 8%. And I'm wondering if that is a sign of what's going on in technology. Uh, Accenture are Accenture and others like E E and Y and Deloitte are the folks you bring in when you want to take on big projects. Uh, worked with Accenture many times as I did the others over my corporate career, and uh, some of the brightest, smartest, hardest working folks. But if you got to cut, it's pretty easy to cut that uh, that new project, that new widget. And I'm wondering if. Um, Accenture is telling us that their customers are cutting these next-gen projects as they limp to the finish line. Don't know. Uh, we haven't seen numbers from Deloitte or E&Y, so this could simply be market share related, or it could be a sign of people truly cutting back because uh, like Accenture, EY, and Deloitte, all of them, uh, they do great work, but they ain't cheap, right? They're not cheap, so it'll be interesting to go on. Uh, if you read our book, One Rental at a Time, you know, my number one metric about a city or a metro is the affordability index. Uh, it tells me, it gives me a warning when things are in trouble. I'm on record telling you if my market ever got below 20, uh, I would at least start to think about selling. And um, what I am starting to say is if it got below 17, I would really sell. I'd sell every house I own. 
Right now, just so it's clear before we go into these numbers, my market's 50. So lots of, lots of room to run on price or interest rate because, again, it's made up of two numbers. But the least affordable cities, least affordable as of, what is it, September 24th? I think this was a September 23rd article. Let's see. One, two, three. I got four big cities. Uh, I'm just curious if you think you know what they are. Least affordable, number one, Los Angeles. Phoenix, number two, San Diego, number three, and Miami, number four. Yeah, that's not good in a recession. So uh, it's interesting. I've, uh, I've talked to folks in all of those markets, not really Miami all that much, but LA, Phoenix, San Diego. Prices are crazy, bidding wars, uh, but it's all really lack of supply. So it'll be interesting to see where these four cities are in 12 months. Uh, but uh, right now, Los Angeles, Phoenix, San Diego, and Miami, least affordable major metros in the country. So uh, based on my experience, if you own stuff in those markets, be careful. Uh, and that's what I got for you today. Again, we're going to get ready for Jonathan Twomley here uh, about 18 minutes or so. That will be posted probably by lunchtime. Have a wonderful day. And of course, we will do our daily financial news tomorrow. Take care. Bye.